This is an excellent rally for the Cannonball. Welcome to the Two Doc Chronicles, your one solution to all things squash. I'm Bruce Huberman with co-host Miles McIntyre, here to reveal a game with stories worth listening to. Hi, everyone. I'd just like to welcome you to a, uh, actually, uh, not, I mean, maybe a historic, you know, time in uh, the three of our lives, um, James, Miles, and myself, and, um, this episode is entitled The New Frontier in U.S. Squash. And uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you know anyone knows how I met, but I met James Spavelko um, back in April and uh, on, on a plane. We started chatting and we would never have met each other if my wife had switched seats with James because James was a gentleman and offered to switch seats, which was very nice of him. And then we started talking and, I, and blah, blah, blah. And I told him that I'm, I'm trying to get a podcast off the ground. And he said, well, you know, I can make you a jingle. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't have a jingle. So that sounds good. And uh, I mean, you know, like Miles and I, like, we, you know, we have good guests, we had good topics. Who's going to edit this thing? And it ends up that James is our, you know, editor, executive producer, sound engineer. He does it all. And he really, I mean, if it wasn't for James, we would not be broadcasting, the, you know, our a podcast because uh, he's such an integral part. And um, so, you know, I thought maybe we just welcome James and have him say a few words and, you know, see what he's feeling uh, on the uh, recording of our 10th episode. Yeah, no, thank you, Bruce. Uh, the, those are very kind words, and I'm I'm sure you guys would have gotten it eventually or figured it out because um, you guys you guys would have run into issues and been like trying to Google like what do I do with this? How do I make this not sound like this? Um, so, but it, it's it definitely mutual in both ways that we were both very lucky to have met each other on that plane. But um, oh man, Delta. What and and that way let's 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 give credit where credit's due. That flea market in Texas, that's yeah, the so real. Yeah, actually, my wife. Uh, we were going to visit my daughter when, and I think it was in April of um, 2021, and. Um, there was this flea market, you know, I forget which town it is, is, you know, it was, but like, it was like an hour and a half from Austin and she really wanted to go. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll go, but we had to go a day earlier. So we switched the flights and Mallory and I, Mallory was in front of me and James was, you know, there was a space between myself and James and James was just like, okay, I'll, you know, switch. And thank God he did, you know, my wife, uh, she was happy reading her magazines or whatever. She didn't want to be bothered. She had good leg room. And uh, so she was happy. And uh, James and I started to chit chat. And he, you know, one thing led to another and we kept in touch. And that was back in April. And I think the beginning of June, we launched our first episode. So, uh, oh, yeah, no, it, it was off to the races as soon as uh, numbers were exchanged. But uh I'm I'm glad to have met you and Miles, and you guys are both very hard workers and a very lucky. And I, and I just want to say, and Miles, um, you know, I've known Miles. You have heard this before, but I've known Miles probably since he's eight or nine years old. You know, he used to, you know, 
work hard out on the, on the court at that age. His face was like tomato red and uh, running <laughs> around. And, uh, you know, we've always, I think it was like a mutual respect for each other. And we've always had, you know, would always chat when I would see him at the tournaments and I would chat with his dad and uh, and his mom, really an incredible family. And uh, they produced a, a great kid. And uh, so every, you know, every day, you know, I speak to Miles, it puts a smile on my face because uh, he's just a tr- tremendous person and obviously, uh, you know, a pretty terrific squash player. So, uh, Miles, yeah. thank you for all you do. And I appreciate all your time and effort. I know it's not easy because you're pretty scheduled up, you know, all day long. And for you to come on like this, it, it's it's terrific. So, Miles... You know, I love you, buddy, and thanks for everything. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate those those words, man. It it really does mean a lot. And like you said, we've been we've been friends for a while and it's it's just so nice to know that like in such a small world like squash community, you can really build some incredible incredible relationships and you know, thank you for for making this all possible. Um I'm along for the ride. It's an incredible, it's an incredible experience. You know, uh, like, you, know, like you said, wait, wait. you know, you're my, you're, you're like, we're like pilots together. There's no co-pilot. You're, you're right there. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, no, you, you have the, I mean, really the access to all these great guests. And, uh, so, well, uh, well, it's been, it's been a pleasure working alongside you and thank you, James, for all that you do. You know, it's incredible that we've reached our 10th episode and it makes me uh, makes me think I think we've got a few friends and family who've uh, sent in a, a couple testimonials saying, you know, thanks for an incredible podcast. They're they're fans of the show and, and good friends of ours. Is that right, James? Yeah, no, uh, we received a bunch of really kindly worded uh, testimonials from a bunch of fans of the show and friends of of you guys and They've just been really happy with the uh, with the podcast so far. So I made a quick montage of what they had to say, and I hope you guys all enjoy it. What's up, guys? It's Timmy Brownell from Team USA. Hi, this is Don Rosini giving a shout out to Two Dot Chronicles. Hi, I'm Hope Prokop. Hi, I'm PSA and U.S. squash referee Tamar El Nagari. This is Andy Orr, a junior and collegiate squash parent and player. Hey, everyone. My name is Morgan Huberman, and I just wanted to come on here and say congratulations to my dad and my good friend Miles on the first season of the Two Dot Chronicles podcast. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to Bruce Huberman and the crew at Two Dot Chronicles. Uh, thank you for giving a voice to the referees and allowing us to give our perspectives on the game we love so much. Thanks, Bruce and Miles. For the in-depth interviews about all things squash, I love listening and learning more about junior, college, and professional squash. Congratulations to the Two Dot Chronicles on the launch of episode 10. It's an exciting milestone. Just giving quick shout out to Two Dot Chronicles for their 10th episode. Should be a good one. You know, they always get some good banter going. 2021 may be a year we all want to forget, but not when it comes to new squash podcasts. I really enjoyed listening to all the great guests and all the really good discussions. The stories and themes you pull together are illuminating and inspiring. We truly appreciate everything you're doing for the sport and hope to see you continue to grow and prosper in 2022. Keep it going. I can't wait for the next podcast to drop. Give it a listen. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Miles. And I just wanted to come on here and wish you guys good luck for your 10th episode. I cannot believe it. I mean, we we are so fortunate to have, you know, good people. Uh, you know, you call them for advice on topics and uh, they're like respond right away. And they're very encouraging and it makes it, 
you know, it's look, it's our second job. It's not, you know, this is not our first job. And uh, so they really provide an impetus for us to get out there and, you know, talk about squash, bring in great guests and they make it inform, worth it. you know, the squash community. So it's all worth it. So let's get rolling. Hi, Gilly Lane, head men's squash coach at the University of Pennsylvania. Looking forward to being back on the Two Dot Chronicles. Hey, this is Ong Beng Hee. I'm the current national head coach of Team USA. Hello, this is Thierry Linku. I'm the MIT squash head coach. I also used to be involved and enjoy my time with Team USA. All right, so uh, I'd like to welcome everyone to um, episode 10 of the Two Doc Chronicle podcast in, entitled The New Frontier of U.S. Squash. And uh, the group we have tonight is, uh, well, you, you don't want to exactly say we saved the best for last, but I think uh, we had this in the uh, background and we knew that it, we needed to have a, uh, a, a really a, a really good end to a, a phenomenal season. So uh, so happy to have our three guests, Ambihi and uh, Cherry Linku and, and Gilly Lane. So uh, I'm going to turn it really over to Miles. He's got a strong connection to this panel. All righty, thank you, Bruce. Um, hey guys, it's been a it's been a short while, Thierry and 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 Gilly. But on Bengi, I don't think I've seen you in a couple of years. I saw you in Malaysia one time for a, for Worlds or something like that. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So thank you guys for coming. First thing I have is a trivia round. Okay, just to lighten lighten the mood a little bit at the start. This is trivia just about squash, um, and we'll, we'll go in a little order. If you don't get it right, we'll move on to the next guy, and we'll see who can finish with the most. All right, we'll start with Benghi. Oh. So who okay. won the men's world championship in 2010? I'm hoping it's Terry Linku. <laughs> <laughs> Final answer, Terry? That was not me. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't remember. I think it's uh, could it be Shabana? Not Shabana. All right, Gilly, your turn. Rami. I was going to say Rami. Definitely Rami. <laughs> all right. So unfortunately, we were all wrong. It's Nick Matthew. Oh, Nick. no way. That was <laughs> so the sorry, big Nick. one against James. That, <laughs> that, that was the big one against James. So. All right. Who is the only player? So now we'll go Gilly first. Who is the only player to win all world championship finals that they reached, male or female? That might give you a hint. Cole David. Yes, sir. Nice. Yes, Nicole. She reached, uh, she, she won the finals of every world championship she reached. All right, Thierry, where was the 2006 men's world championship held? I know, I know this one. Uh, in Egypt, in Cairo. Um, yes, sir. Good the job. Pyramids. Yes. Nice. And well I, think, done, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, that's when Greg had uh, a couple of, uh, a few match balls and lost to David Palmer, if I remember correctly. And that's when, I think that was the last match of Peter Nicole at the Pyramids. Yeah. Yep, exactly. All right, good stuff. So, Benghi, back to you. What player won all four British Open finals that they reached? Male player. Um, damn. I'm going to thank Matthew now. <laughs> not, not Matthew. <laughs> back to me then, right? Gilly? So if it's if it's not yeah, Nick, Gilly. all four British yeah. finals that he reached, they reached. It can't be. I don't think it's yes. Rami because he didn't win it four times. 
Greg had a really good record at the British, like really good record at the British, didn't he? No, no, no. Well, see, so. just gave me the answer. <laughs> they just gave me the answer, full. right? You know, see, see how I'm working the system here. <laughs> oh, see how I'm working the system here. I know that. Okay. Uh, did Greg? Greg, you TT, you played Greg in one of them. I remember. He he, he won. He, I think he won two or three times. I'm gonna no? say Nick. Um, not Nick. Hey. All right, Thierry, last chance. Oh, man, not Nick, so it could be... Uh, oh, Bengi said Nick. So That's Paul my Mill. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Gilly. <laughs> um, um, uh, I would say maybe, maybe uh, Peter Nicole. Wrong. The oh, answer okay. is Shabana. He won all four really? that he reached. Okay. Yeah. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Now a couple quick ones, if if you're in tune with PSA, <laughs> whose nickname? So this is this goes to Gilly. Whose nickname on tour is the Matador? Borja Golan. Nice. Yes, Good oh, answer. All right. Nice. Thierry, whose nickname is the Marine? Palmer. Yep, David Palmer. All right, Bang He. What famous ship had a squash court on board? Yeah, that's yes, it. sir. Good, good ass, Bangy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wish this was on. Bi- I wish this was on video to see much. his face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, where are we at, Gilly? <clears throat> Which duo of competitors hold the PSA title for the longest squash recorded match ever? Definitely Delier. It's a hard one. Sean, Sean Delier and hold on. Yep. Can you give me the country and I'll get it. The country of his opponent. Like where was it played? No, 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 no. No, he wants to know the the or country of origin of, of his, his of the opponent. Yeah. I think it's gonna give it away. I... It looks like me. No, no, no. At least I got Sean. <laughs> Not Sean's me, definitely but... right. <laughs> that was right. That's that's that, very good. Yeah, I yeah, don't know the other good. person. I'm gonna say. Um, Isn't it? It was a it was a final. Is it Shahir Razik? No, no. nope. Oh. I'm just think. Uh... Bang! He gave you a good guess. Yeah, the guy looks exactly like me, man. Leo out. <laughs> there you go. There yes. you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. Well done, guy. I thought it was Leo, but then I was just trying to think of time, like timeline as well. You know. Sean Delier, that's well done. That's very well done. Yeah. Be- so how, how long yeah, was so so it was it was Leo Al and um Sean Delier yeah. and I think it was Penang, I'm pretty sure. All right. Last question. Who do we have, Terry? There's no way you guys get this one. When is the TOC founded? When was the TOC founded? Oh. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It was before nineteen fifty. Wow. Really? So I don't know. Um but I'm glad to see that you know it's it's been a tradition, you know, and and that yeah. it's that I'm glad to have been part of that because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anyone know? know? Does anyone have a guess? Gilly, fifty-four. Nope. I'll tell you, it was nineteen thirty. So really old tournament. Crazy. Nimic yeah. hasn't been running since uh, 34. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're warmed up. They look good. Yeah, no. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Awesome. So first off, just to start, uh, just to go around the circle, please, could you give us a little bit of an introduction of you know how you got into squash, 
either who introduced you, uh, how you got into playing, you know, what it was like as a professional or when you joined professional and um, now as a um, head coach of the national team or coaching on um, the USA squash. Thank you. Go ahead. All right. So, so basically my dad was a former national squash player for Malaysia. Um, I think just before he retired, he decided to uh, invest in a, in a squash club. He, uh, he built um, 17 squash courts, uh, you know, back in the early 80s, I think. And obviously, you know, uh, tagging along, going to the club, um, I kind of just picked up the game. Uh, my dad coached me a little bit. And uh, yeah, you know, I've not looked back since. So I, I started playing when I was like seven or eight. Um, decided that I wanted to be a pro when I was uh, probably 15 or 16 years old. Um, same time, Malaysia at the time, squash was getting really popular. Mm. Um, and it was the first time that uh, squash was included in the Commonwealth Games in 1998. And uh, the government had a little bit of funding for squash. And yeah, so that's how the story of me uh, to turn professional, I, I decided that um, I didn't want to study very much. I was very interested to become um, the best that I could be on tour. So at 16 or 17 years old, um, my dad sent me to England and that's how I started playing uh, PSA. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I've uh, been on the tour, I think even before Thierry. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, was, I, was, I was on tour for a very long time. Um, so I played on till about 2015 before I decided that uh, I'll pick up coaching. And uh, yeah. So and have you I'm been in sure. the states? Have you been in the states uh, during the entirety of your coaching career? Uh, not at all. Actually, I started coaching in Malaysia for a couple of years mm -hmm. uh, with the Malaysian Association. Uh, I was there for two years, and then there was an opportunity in uh, Qatar. So I uh, I moved over, and I worked there for four years before um, yeah before I moved to Philadelphia, and uh, yeah went through about five or six interviews to to finally land this job so uh yeah it's been an interesting journey not just in playing on tour and on psa but also uh being here you know um yeah. I've, I've known all of you guys gilly and terry for i think maybe about 15 16 years now and uh never once i mentioned that i would like to coach in the states and yeah, here I am today. So this is this is my journey. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, I think I think you landed in a pretty good spot. I mean, I think yeah, it could be the epicenter of squash now for the world. I mean, you're really in a great place. I I hope so. You know, and I've heard uh, I've read somewhere yesterday that uh, in the L the Los Angeles Olympics in 2028, squash might have a chance. I, wow. I hope, you know, yeah. I really hope squash will get in and uh, this will be a game changer for the sport itself, not just in the States, but I think around the world. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's awesome to be here and to be given an, an opportunity as an, you know, as a Malaysian to be the head coach of uh, Team USA. It's, yeah, it's a big deal. It's we, awesome. we think it's a big deal as well. I mean, we, that, I mean <laughs> yeah. we're just very proud and excited for this new, uh, New episode in U.S. squash history. I mean, it's just, it's just a big, it's a big thing, and uh, it's all falling. Yeah, it seems like it's know, all falling yeah. together. You know, 
Yeah, I think you know. I think Jerry will, will know know better. Uh, you know, he was part of the Team USA. Uh, the the work that he's done with all the players and Gilly has been heavily involved with the under twenty three squads and he himself being a a, a national uh, player in, in the past. So I, I think these guys they, they've done so much work and then now that the new batch, the new generations, they were able to experience and they were able to watch guys like Gilly, uh, you know, even those older players, like Preston Quick, and then with Terry helping with the the team, you know, I, the, the women's side, as you as you know, uh, currently in terms of ranking, they are world number two in the world just after Egypt. Uh, four top twenty-five players in the world. Amanda Sobi, who is who has worked with Terry for many years. So you know, these guys, they are the ones that have set you know the, the the bar that high, and I've just come in and I'm just trying to claim all this credit now. And <laughs> oh, but, no, you got you your know, work, you got I'm your just... work cut out for you for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly right. The so, bar is set pretty high. Uh, exactly. So I'm just uh, I'm still learning from these guys, and uh, I, yeah, let's let's see how well these guys can do. And uh, you know, you know, there's plenty to learn and plenty to explore. And um, you know, I'm keeping in touch with Gilly. He, he's just two minutes away from the Spectres complex. So yeah, looking forward to it actually the next awesome. uh, year or so. Yeah. Sweet. Thierry? No, no, just, just want to follow up on that. It's, it's incredible what's happening, um, I think, at, at the moment uh, in the US and all, all that energy and, uh, you know, um, that momentum with, with the National Center, the Spectre Center and the fact that they were able to raise money and, and to hire people and, and create a program and to, um, to continue to like, support the athletes and the, the program is amazing. Thing. Uh, and I, yeah. I, being here in the US, I always felt that I had to uh, also help, you know, and, and give back uh, to the community and to the country that hosted me. And that, so it was always a pleasure for me to, to, to contribute, you know, to that success i would say yeah. and um you know um, I, I play i have different roles but but that time with team usa was awesome it was really awesome and then plus yeah with um well individually with amanda and a few others but then as, as a team as a group um this is great and then the, the next generation i think that's also the future and um but what a what a group of athletes that you have being here now it's 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 amazing, men and women. So uh, very exciting for the sport here. And then, yeah, that possibility to be a, an Olympic sport, but also the whole, you know, the whole dynamic with the college squash, uh, also with the program, like the urban squash program as well. It's a lot going on in, in this country. You know, coming, coming from Europe, I'm impressed. I'm just impressed. <laughs> yeah. So what was your pathway, Cherry? If, if some people, you know, on don't know like uh you started uh, obviously when you were very young and uh yeah pretty much pretty much like bengi so eight years old i started thanks to my dad on uh, an island uh, called reunion island which is in the indian ocean next to madagascar so when you tell that to people oh where's reunion oh you know have you seen the, the movie madagascar so that's <laughs> where it is you know it's it's by africa um so it is the, yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm I'm just myself, you know. I'm like, oh, you're from that little island, and you ended up in at MIT. So that's pretty. It's pretty cool, you know, as a journey. But 
eight years old. I uh, started with my brother and, and um, family. And then at, at 14 years old, I had a chance to, um, to move and, and locate myself in, in France, but I did not want to leave the island. Uh, it was tough for me. Um, so I finished my studies, I uh, finished high school, and then decided to make the big move to Paris. Um, and then that's, that's when I finished that year 19, um, you know, uh, year being uh, number three. I reached third in the World Junior Championship. And after behind Barada, Barada won that year, and Omar El Borlossi uh, got second. So that gave me, I think, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, motivation to continue. So at that time, I was like, okay, maybe I can have a chance, you know, to uh, to have a, a good career after that to turn pro. So that was the time where I, I was really convinced. Okay, let's let's push through and then continue on studying uh, in in Paris, France, and then then Marseille. Um, and then retired at 36 years old. Um, so uh, quite a long time on tour. I really enjoyed that. I, like you, Bengi, you know, pretty, like next close to 20 years on tour. Um, very full, you know, a lot of memories, a lot of good memories with, you know, people and, and trips and traveling and, and stories. Um, you know, they said, Thierry, they said you were humble, but you don't even mention your world championship in, uh, <laughs> in, in 2004. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's pretty humble of you. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's no need to. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think the audience wants to know, you know, you're a humble guy, but uh, you do have some pretty high accomplishments. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in 04, uh, I, I reached uh, world number one and I was world champion. So that was definitely a, a nice nice sweet moment in a career and when i think again about greg because I, we were talking about him you know failing four times you know at the finals of the world and then he, he finally got it you know in a fifth uh, try that was amazing for him uh, to have like two french guys you know world champion that's 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 cool but anyway yeah i retired and then uh took my chance in the u.s i <laughs> had different opportunities, but I decided, oh, you know, especially in Boston, uh, to, to work with the family. And, and I was like, let's go, let's, let's turn the page. Uh, that this is going to be another chapter for my, for myself and for my kids. So I really wanted to make that move for our family, um, just to expose them to different things and, and no regrets. So I'm being here nearly 10 years now. Um, after working with that family, I joined MIT and then since, um, and then just loving it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And when did you first work with Team USA? So with Team USA, uh, I would say the, the first world team championship was in Paris, actually, with the, when I, <clears throat> we took the women's in Paris. And that was uh, oof, maybe, yeah, six, uh, let's say six years ago. Uh, yeah, five, six years ago. Yeah, awesome. and uh, yeah, Gilly, by far the least uh, decorated of, uh, of of the people <laughs> on today. So uh, thanks, Miles. Um, uh, just real short. I, I mean, I, in terms of overlapping with these two, it, it was it was pretty special to kind of start squash 
in the era that I did um, and looking up to both of them. Um, started playing in Philadelphia at Buff Korea Club when I was around nine years old. And it's kind of the sport that I did in the winter uh, in between soccer and baseball. Um, you know, started playing a little bit more. Um, you know, it wasn't, we didn't have the full calendar like we do now of tournaments. So the tournaments really started end of October and the last tournament started or ended in March, which was nationals. And then you started, you, you went on to a different sport and, um, you know, I actually traveled up to Princeton to watch Bang Hee win, uh, the world juniors in 98. And, um, honestly, you know, that was when I started looking at squash magazine and he was on the cover and, uh, and his bandana when it went where, you know, with his Dunlop racket, I remember like it was, yeah, yesterday. And then, um, you know, Thierry didn't talk about his career, but you know, him, when he won the world championship in 2004 is when we, I really started following pro squash. And in that year, I think Thierry, like you were like a model of consistency. You were getting to every semifinal, I think of every major tournament and just waiting to break through. And you kind of just got up there. Then he was, I think eight in the world around there at the time he had, he'd risen up the ranks really quick. Um, and the one thing that I loved about both of their games was their movement. Um, and just, I mean, Bangy so light on his feet, so quick, um, had the ability to kind of just flick the ball at any moment. Um, I, I was, I was on the other side of that, the world teams and in, in, in Denmark, uh, it was not fun. And then Thierry was just a beast. I mean, he still is a beast right now. His, his movement's a joke. Um, but that's kind of when I started getting into it with these guys, they were on tour and it wasn't really, there's was no PSA squash TV. Um, I wound up, uh, going to Penn and loved every second of there. I had a great coach and mentor and Craig Thorpe Clark, and he really took me on board and said, I think, you know, this is something that you can do for a living. And, um, and I got the best advice ever. Um, I asked my parents, I said, you know, well, what do you think about this, this journey? And, um, you know, cause I was going to, to college and at the, at the time in the U S, uh, and miles, I think this is where it's great being yourself right now. And then having the national center, you know, going pro was an afterthought, you know, you, you go to these universities and the expectation was to get a job. And my dad, you know, I turned to him and I said, you know, dad, well, what do you think of this idea? And he gave me the best advice ever. He goes, Bill, if you don't do it now, you're an idiot because you're never going to get another chance to go do this. And since then I've kind of never looked back and it was the best one, some of the best advice I've ever been given. And uh, my parents were so supportive. So I moved over to Amsterdam, uh, I trained with, um, Tommy, Tommy Burden, Lucas Bout, um, LJ, uh, Anjuma, um, Cameron Pilly. We had a great group over there, but actually funny enough, <laughs> and I'll tell a funny little story. I don't know if Banky remembers this, but my first wild card as a pro was the village open in 2007. And I played Wilstrop, uh, in, in Manhattan in Greenwich village. And it was three people to a room. And I think Thierry was at this tournament because I was wearing all Adidas stuff trying to look like Greg and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, that's like a mini Greg. And like, who is that guy? No, I didn't know. And I was literally trying to do every move. And I loved Greg, you know, watching him. And so everyone's like, Oh my God, the, the guy, is he French? Like, no, it's like American. I, I get paired with Aslan and bang. He has roommates. Now there's only two beds in this hotel room. Who do you think, who do you think slept on the couch for those two days? This guy, the Gilly. rookie, the rookie. <laughs> so he goes, Hey buddy. And I think, I think Aslan was basically like, you got to earn your stripes on tour. But, um, no, I, you know, it was, um, <laughs> you know, it was a great, it, it almost, it just set me up for what I wanted to do later in life and being a part of squash. And, um, you know, 
this episode's about Team USA, and I couldn't think of two better people uh, to work with the players that than uh, the guys that are on this call. And, and Thierry, what you said about giving back like really hits home to me as an American player who loved playing for his country. Like I played so much better at the world teams. So for someone of your stature to say, oh my gosh, I need to give back to, to U.S. squash. I mean, that's just incredible. Um, and for me and, you know, Julian Illingworth and, and Chris Gordon, who's still playing now, but it was really, I think our goal was to try to set the pathway for the next generation and have those guys learn from our mistakes. And, and, and for me to hand us much knowledge as I can to those guys, especially going through college um, and dealing with being a student and then also trying to play pro. Um, and then also just being close with the guys and girls that are at the national center right now is, is incredible. And, um, the feedback right now is that they love working with Bang He. I think the temp, his temperament and, um, his experience and he's been through it all. is just kind of the perfect fit for the players. And I think that balance is going to make them so successful because, just how he approaches everything is, is being a, being a professional athlete, there are highs and lows. And I think Bang He's temperament on a daily basis is perfect to navigate those, those players in the right path and, and give them kind of a stepping stone into, into success. And, um, I mean, I know that if I, if miles, if I were your age and, and, and I was kind of making the same path, I'd be jumping at the, uh, um, at the, the option of joining the national center and training and then going for it because there's so much, uh, uh opportunity right now. But, um, but yeah, I kind of grew up, I grew up watching both of these guys and, um, you know, they've, they've been great friends and, and, and just reconnecting with Bengi. It's been a while, but, you know, and also learning from Thierry and, um, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been a pleasure to be surrounded by such great coaches and people. That's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, from sort of that college junior, um, junior into college and, and now playing amongst all the, the best college players, you know, the Americans are really, really excited. Um, we, I think we all recognize the fact that U.S. squash has made a huge strive to help us at the end of the day. It really is to help the juniors is help. It's to help all the, 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 the up and coming squash players, um, follow their dreams, you know, and I have so many friends who have that opportunity now and that's, that's fantastic. So thank you guys for what you do. Um, before we, we sort of get into like what your passions are for us squash and for the, for the organization as a whole. Um, uh, I was wondering Thierry, before you became coach, um, before you became pro, you were on an island, as you said. So what type of style did you have slash try to bring to the the team um, before before you guys went to Paris and what what aspects of your game do you see translate into your coaching style or is it completely different? So good, good, yeah, good, good, good one. Uh, I think I grew up in an in an environment that was really uh, supportive, very inclusive, very diverse in in a reunion. It was like a, a melting pot of like different races, different people. Myself, I'm half, well, white and half Asian. You know, my mom, my grandparents uh, left China, you know, uh, during kind of the communism and then ended up in Reunion. And then my mom was born on the island. So I myself, a little mix. So uh, I think that what I have in me is 
you know, and that respect for, for, for people in general, you know, whatever, you know, race and, and like anyone, anyone, you know, I want to respect as, 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 as a human. Um, and then what I want to bring to the game into my coaching is I think being, being, well, fair, respectful, you know, um, giving a maximum effort, but I, I think, um, and, and just, I think, and the style, the style would be, uh, the style would be being as complete as possible uh, on court, not not excelling on just one, you know, element of the game, but try to like understand the, the full picture um, of the game, and and to try to find a solution by yourself, uh, try to be as independent as possible while, on, well, on court, of course, because you you're by yourself, but. Even eventually, try to capture and try to uh, absorb, integrate uh, a lot of the knowledge uh, to 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 then be able to be more responsible and uh, just control um, your training and 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 your improvement. Uh, so I'm a big fan of trying to understand and have my you know my students or whoever you know uh, people to understand what really what we're doing when we're when we're going to achieve. In all the facets of the performance, you know, it could be technical or physical mm. or mental, of course. Um, but that's that's kind of my style, and I want people to be happy in general. You know, I don't want I hate conflicts, um, and I'm an iron guy, so I'm pretty cool. And but but I'm also very competitive, and and in you know in squash, being fighting like lions in in a, in a cage, you, you gotta be you gotta be aggressive but that has to be channel right um but we learned that the hard way right Bengi and and, and Gini, you're being a tour yeah. you <laughs> the first couple of years on tour you woo, it's it was a little challenging you know playing those big Aussie guys and and people from Pakistan and uh, anyway it's 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 a learning process but what I'm seeing is um you I think my philosophy is you you win or you learn. You know, you always need to like mm. go forward. Yeah. Yeah, and Bangheen, you guys at the Spectre Center, how do you plan to implement it into the training for the for the up and coming pros and the pros now? I I I feel my role um, has been made uh, a lot easier, you know, compared to when Thierry had a national team. Those days, there was no uh, Spectre Center. There was no centralized where you can get all the players to train together. So I, I, I think I'm, I've had it easy now. Actually, uh, the the program is in place now. You know, uh, I have I'm working with Adam Hamill, who is the director of the national team, who is very supportive. He understands the game. He understands the players. Um, so in terms of coaching, uh, you know, actually with the current pros now, there's um, there's not much changes I can do with them because they're all very uh, you know they're self-driven, they're self-motivated. Uh, you know, I I understand that they have uh, their own personal coaches as well. You know, I think Amanda she still keeps uh, in touch with Terry. She's learned a lot from Terry. Uh, so you know, you you have like Olivia Klein who's also working with Natalie Granger. Um, you know, I have a group of fantastic players who who all plays a, a different style, uh, who trains differently. So my my job has been made. Yeah, I think quite easy for me. You know, I uh, currently what I'm doing is just to get everyone to train together a few times a week. 
you know, to utilize the fantastic facilities that we have in uh, Spectre Center. Um, you know, once in a while, you will have like Sabrina uh, who will contact Gilly and, and she would like to train with his team. I think she's been there a few times as well, if, if I'm not. Uh, yeah, you know, she was hitting with Stu uh, a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, uh, you, you know, so we have you know, this fantastic group of players. They, they know what they want to achieve. They know how to train. Uh, yeah, so I'm just here to facilitate their progress. We are, we're tracking now what they're doing on a daily basis. And we hope that with all this information and all this work that we're doing together, we we have a blueprint you know, for the next generation. You know, Gilly, you're heavily involved with the under-23 group as well. Uh, you know, we, we have it all in the next, hopefully in the next 18 months. And yeah, we can bring forward and 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 be the leader of squash in in Philly, basically, right? You, you know, we have what, 45 squash courts within two miles. So yeah, I, I, I think for me, I'm in a perfect setup. I'm working with a very group, a good group of players, but at the same time, a very good group of coaches as well. You know, it's just a, a WhatsApp message. I can get hold and I can talk to their coaches as well. And I hope that, um, yeah, everyone is is on the same path. Uh, in terms of the way I coach, I kind of blend in into what they're doing currently. Uh, sometimes can be just a, a small chat on court and a lot of feeding. Uh, and yeah, I'm not here to change the game. I'm just here to add a little bit of value to what they're already doing anyway. So. When was this awesome. job on the radar for you? How did you uh, learn about it? And were, were you encouraged by a lot of people to, you know, investigate and, uh, you know, try to maybe well, fill that role? Um, well, it was during COVID. Um, obviously, I was at home and I was just browsing through and I somehow I went to US Squash uh, portal, the website, and I saw this um, job, David Garnett, uh, national head coach job that was advertised and uh, I got in touch with uh, a very good friend of mine who is also the director of Yale Squash, uh, Siu Lin um, and she said hey why, why don't you try to apply you know and see um, you know how far you go since you've been in uh, Qatar for the last four years maybe you would like a new challenge uh, you, you know she was telling me how great it is for education for the kids and the future for the kids so I thought, okay, I've, I'll just apply. I sent in my uh, my CV. Um, I, I got a reply from the CEO, Kevin, and he said, you know, we receive your CV, we'll be in touch. So uh, I, I didn't hear from them for a few months, obviously, because due to the COVID, uh, the whole process took a, a little while. And uh, for for whatever reason, I I thought I didn't hear back from the US squash and that was it, right? I'm like, okay, I didn't hear back from them. Uh, but in fact, Adam has been trying to contact me for like one week. He is <laughs> oh, trying no. to tell me, Benghi, your interview is <laughs> on this particular date. But for whatever reason, I, I, I didn't receive the email. And I've been getting a lot of these calls, which I thought was a scam call. So I didn't pick it up. <laughs> I, and that's, that's yes. And then I think Adam got hold of Siu Lin and said, hey, we've been trying to get hold of Beng He, but he's not picking his call. He's not, he's not replied. Is he still interested in the interview? Uh, Siu Lin called me and said, hey, 
what are you doing? Your, your interview is tomorrow. <laughs> Adam is trying to get hold of you. And that's how I started my interview. I, I, you know, I, I call Adam. I'm like, Adam, I have no idea what, what happened. Um, you know, so, yeah. You know, wow. so I, like, I, like I said earlier, I, I went through a few of the interviews. Uh, I think with a search committee, uh, with all the sponsors. Um, uh, Mr. Spectre was there as well. David Garnett was part of it. Kevin, obviously. So, yeah, I went through the process and, um, you know, very, very fortunate. Uh, I'm actually very surprised they picked me because obviously there were a lot of candidates, a lot of many candidates already based in US. And I thought, I, I didn't think I had a chance. But again, once I was selected, um, yeah, extremely humble um, and very grateful to be given the opportunity. That's great. You may or may not know that I do have a day job. I'm an oral maxillofacial surgeon by day and a podcaster by night. And here's a short PSA from the American Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons. Pain or no pain, your wisdom teeth should be checked every year. If wisdom teeth come in properly and meet the right conditions, they are generally safe to keep. But left unchecked, they can put you at risk for gum disease, tooth decay, and damage to adjacent teeth. Some wisdom teeth grow in at such an angle that they never break through the gum, which can lead to tooth decay, gum disease, cysts, and tumors. These impacted teeth can only be seen on x-rays, so the damage they may cause can go undetected if they are not checked by a dental professional. Some people just don't have enough room for another tooth in their mouth, so their wisdom teeth can affect adjacent teeth when they come in. This can make it difficult to chew, difficult to keep them all clean and misalign your teeth. Not all wisdom teeth need to be removed, but they all do need to be monitored by an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Find a surgeon near you for a complete examination. If your wisdom teeth do need to be removed, the procedure can be done in an office setting with minimal post-operative pain and swelling. Remember, pain or no pain, your wisdom teeth should be checked every year. Find your local oral and maxillofacial surgeon at myoms.org. So, Gilly, um, I just want to mention that uh, Gilly was one of the, uh, on our first podcast, and it was called State of the Union. And uh, he was given the task to talk about, you know, college squash and, uh, you know, where we stood at the time. And that was back in, I think, late May, early June. and. Uh, so we figured we'd bring on one of our favorite guests, you know, for the 10th episode. And uh, so we're so honored. He comes at it in a little different, you know, um, position than, you know, the two coaches here. But um, he really has made such an imprint on U.S. squash. So, Gilly, if you were going to, like, write, a, you know, a short letter to uh, the national coach and just in, in terms of what you think the direction to bring them right up to that that top tier, which they're you know they're approaching. I would think the the women's team is a little closer than the men's at the moment. But um, so, what would you say in the letter to uh, the coach, saying you know, in your opinion, on what we need to do as you know, U.S. squash, you know, um, and how we're going to get to that? Because we're like at the precipice of becoming right there at the top. I mean, I've watched this over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years and uh, the parity and where we are, where we're at compared to eight, 10 years ago is, is just incredible. And uh, so what would you say, Gilly, 
it, 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 it would say, it, it would say, dear Bang He, don't listen to any of this, anything that's being read in this letter. <laughs> um, you know, I think what Thierry said was really interesting about getting that experience. And, and he talked like Thierry is probably one of the, the most mentally tough players there there's been on tour. Um, and he, he's I think he, he's not going to say it, but what made him great was his ability to come through in big situations. And, and I think coming from a place like reunion, he had to do that by leaving home. And by going somewhere, even even by going to Paris, and he's still speaking French, right? He's left home, and we and I and I say this as an American, but we have it so good. Um, you know, we we have so many courts, we have so many great coaches here. Um, one of my biggest learning experiences was 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 playing Dutch league, and I was getting paid a hundred euros for the match, and if I won. I got 200 euros and I had bills to pay that week. And so if I didn't win, I was trying to figure out how to get that hundred euros. And I think (laughs) you, you start thinking of it about, you start thinking about the game as your career and, and, you know, you, you are playing for money. And so there's situations where you, you do need to toughen up and you need to have that tough skin around you. And, um, you know, to, 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 to be truthful, like I, I played at, I played at a country club growing up, you know, and, and I went to an all boys private school and, you know, I went to a great school like Penn. And so, um, you know, it didn't really get tough the game because I wasn't put in those hard situations until I had to really learn on tour. So one thing that the world does better than us right now is the league system. And I think with COVID right now, it's hard. And this isn't a national team thing. This is more just a country thing is, is trying to get a league system in where, where the younger players, boys and girls are getting really tough matches at a young age. And um, I think right now more than ever, and I think the juniors are, who are very interested in turning pro are starting to play PSA tournaments. You know, for myself, I didn't play my first PSA tournament until I was probably a junior in college, which is very late, you know, I was 20 years old. So to get that experience. And so I, I think, you know, Bangy has the blueprint because he, he did it. He lived it. You know, he, he know, he went through it. Um, you know, he was, you know, he was world champion at 18 and, you know, had a lot of pressure on his shoulders, especially from, you know, a, 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 being the number one player, the next best thing in, in Malaysia, where, you know, we've seen they, they put squash players up on billboards, like, and, 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 and he handled it with class and, and went through it. So he's kind of the perfect person to write the script for, for this next generation. The one thing that I would actually say is that we need to do a good job of selling, becoming a pro squash player to our top American players and saying, Hey, this is a path for you to go down. You know, um, you can, you can go do something later, you know, after your career is over. Um, trust me, you have all the time in the world to work, you know? And, and so, but to chase a dream and chase something that you've worked so hard at, there's an opportunity here. And so, I mean, I I would actually love to hear what Thierry thinks about that, but it's, it's, I think it's, we're right there and Spectre Center is the start, but it's the next thing is providing tough matches, tough scenarios. I mean, let me tell you when you, 2009 going into my first, what they were called platinum events. And I was about to break into the top 50 in the world. And I was just bad qualifying when I was the only American, no, Julian and I were the only Americans there and they picked the names out of the hat as well. So you're kind of waiting, 
we're in Egypt, we're at, in New Cairo, and you're going there and you have to play two matches to make any money or get any points. Remember those days, boys? Like you had to win in qualifying to get points and to get paid. Yeah. I played Ali Farag when he was 17 years old, up and coming. This is before he was at uni. I think it was like, I mean, again, I think there's $1,700 on the line. And if I had qualified, I would have gone straight into the top 50. I lost. But again, like Ali comes up playing against the world number one and the world number two, the world number 10 on a daily basis. So surrounding that. And so now we have all these pro players here in Philly. It's getting those, those top juniors, seeing those top players play, train on a daily basis and wanting to immerse them in that culture. Um, yeah, Thierry, I would love to hear your thought on that. because. Yeah, I, you, know, you, you nailed it. <laughs> I think you nailed it because you're right. So, so, so first of all, I just want to piggyback on, on Ali Farag. It's funny you say that because when I, when I moved it, he was still at Harvard, you know, and he was, he was a, I think he was a junior at Harvard. And then uh, that's when I started to work with Amanda. We started that journey as well. And uh, when he, he was about to graduate, he was like, oh, uh, Titi, uh, yeah, I need your advice because do you think I should go on a tour and, and try, you know, PSA? I'm like, because <laughs> I was, you know, Mike was asking me and he was asking me to play with him, you know, some, <clears throat> from time to time to get ready for whatever. And, and man, I honestly, I was freshly retired and I, I could not, I could not beat him anymore. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and he was, he was 20 something. Okay. 21, 22. I'm like, you know, you have something, you should probably give it a go because you don't want any regrets. And he was like, yeah, but my parents, they want me to get a job right away and use that diploma, blah, 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 the name of Harvard. I'm like, you should, I think that's the time. You don't want to miss that train. Like you said, Giddy, you know, you, it's, it's, it's now. And to get that, that, yeah, that culture as well. Um, but anyway, that was funny. And, and yeah, and a year or two years later, it was just, you know, breaking through and then it was amazing. Uh, but on the other note, um, you're right. I think a little bit of mental toughness, a little bit more um, humbling experience, a little bit of, uh, you're right, those guys, uh, the Americans, I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but to uh, to experience some, some sort of, um, uh yeah some sort of not not, not drama but like like a it's a bit of that You're all right. in you know, feeling. When, when, you know what i mean like 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 Gilly was saying like it's it's a bit of an all-in feeling if that makes it, sense like i'm gonna devote everything there's no way i'm leaving it, today without losing in your in those situations constant the, the biggest line that everyone says is give it a go the give it a go is almost like not all the way in right and so like yeah. the give it a go is like i'm gonna try it but if I'm not successful in the first six months, by the way, no one is. So like on tour, like you are not going anywhere in the first six months unless you're going in the top 10. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like if less you're a Benghi, like going literally right. from world junior champion, what did you, I mean, Benghi, were you you're top, <laughs> what, top 20 in what, 18 months? I, I think so. Yeah. About 18 yeah. months. About yeah. Right? yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause I don't know much yeah. history guys, but I know yeah. this generation pretty well cause I watched it. Um, but the give it a yeah, go yeah. is almost something that we say as Americans, oh, just do it for 18 months. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to do it anymore. Whereas it's like, you know, I'm going to put two, three years of like a foundation in and see where I am. 
Because if you see where most of the, the men and the women are hitting their stride, you know, I think, I don't know on the women's side, I wouldn't say necessarily what age it is, but on the men's side, it's 28 to 31 when you're playing some of your best squash and you're hitting your peak, right? And I think, you know, for a long time, and we just didn't, it, it wasn't in our nature as, as, as a country to say, okay, you know, let's go, we're going to go to a great university, but then, and then we're going to go give the tour a go. But after two years, you're done because we're 197 in the world and you've lost $30,000. Not the, the the year before, it's it's the truth though, right, <laughs> Thierry? Like, it's tough. Oh yeah, it's tough. It's tough because we did we did lose a lot of money, you know. At the first, I mean, it's 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 not a good investment, to be honest. It's you know the tour, as as we know, if you want to be uh, rich, <laughs> don't, just don't play squash. I mean, it's just it's just the truth, you know, in America, but. We, we we need to change the mentality and, and it's it's exactly. not just about the money and, and that and, and here in the US it's tough to you know to uh, isolate that as well because it's it's all about the money here, right? <laughs> There's a lot about the money. But it's uh yeah, try you know try your best to uh, achieve your you know your maximum potential in, in squash and and if you are successful, yeah, you might be financially uh, also, you know, um, you know, successful as well. But uh, it's it's sometimes I think in the US, it's it's when you have a job proposition, you know, like right away where you can get I don't know eighty, ninety, hundred, you know, first job or after a couple of years, as opposed to losing money, you know, on the tour for three, four years. It's 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 a tough sell. But but you know, it's not just about that. I think the system now. Uh, of Team USA and US squash, there's a lot of support. You know, there, there's a transition, you know, as a from junior to like the, the men or women's yeah. USA. Um, and I think, yeah, the structure is is there, and and it's yeah, I think it's it's um, there's the way. There's yeah, so the way I, you know, yeah. I'm definitely convinced that. I think it's just a mindset of the, the, you know, the U.S. pro player now that are, you know, playing under the auspices of U.S. squash that, you know, the time is now. And I think in the past, you know, you were from the U.S. and the, the expectations were different. The women have brought it up really high. And I think the men are just lagging a little bit. But I think they're going to have some early breakthroughs. And I think that will just light the fire. And uh, I don't, I don't think there's really an end in sight, except you yeah, know, I, being crowned a world champion and getting guys into the top ten. I mean, I think the athletes are here. I think the training is here, and um, this is such a huge step for U.S. squash and for the new U.S. you know the pro players. And uh, I mean, God, I'd be you know if I was you know one of these players, you'd be like, wow. This fell into my plate at like the perfect time. And uh, they have to step up because there's going to be guys behind them that are going to be very hungry too. And it's just going to keep, you know, sort of perpetuating in itself. And, uh, and that's how you'll, you know, develop a team that could compete with anyone in the world. And uh, I think you guys are in a perfect uh, place. And um, I think people are all going to get, I, I really feel like it's like, you know, you don't want to say the new Cairo because uh, this is something that um, people will travel to and, and want to spend time and train because the breadth of players that are all, you know, from the college ranks, the junior ranks, 
the, and the pro ranks. They're, everyone's, you know, <laughs> or, or close to Philadelphia. And uh, so it's just, uh, I just think it, it's the time. And I think the new athlete, you know, they're not new, but I mean, the new pro player needs to just embrace it and, you know, has the opportunity of a lifetime. And I think uh, it, it's really exciting. And I know Miles, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's just uh, to compare back to, you know, when Miles was, you know, U11. And look at it now. I mean, the competition is just, it's going through yeah. the roof. And uh, we just have to get just that top echelon to that next level. And uh, I think, we'll, you know, the, the future is really, really bright. And yeah. uh, so, um, yeah. so Gilly, I was, I was going to ask Gilly a question, um, and you guys can definitely. So, do you think it's the college? We may have discussed this in the past, but and you know, Terry, you're you're coaching at MIT. My opinion is that um, it's the opportunity to spend four years at a you know at a squash university and be able to train and you know get an education and then you know facilitate yourself onto the, onto the tour. Um, is, is to my opinion is is the is the perfect scenario. I mean, I don't know the rush unless you're going to walk in, as Gilly says, to the top ten in the world. If there's really a rush, as you also saying that you know these guys are peaking and the women are peaking at like 28, 30 years old. So there's time. It's just you want to build that that great foundation, and God forbid an injury or something like that. At least you have you know you have a college education to fall back on. And, uh, you know, the contacts you meet and, uh, you know, you're sort of set up for, for life. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to make it onto the tour, yeah. be successful and be able to maintain after, you know, establishing a four or five year, you know, career. And, you know, then they decide, you know, that, I'm, that this is really I'm not going to make it to that top. And it's, it's getting too hard and sponsorship and things like that. So, um, you know, ha having a, a good education to fall back on, I think is huge. And, uh, and it makes you just very desirable. And I think it also takes a lot of pressure off you knowing that, you know, not all your eggs were completely in one basket. I mean, even though you're a pro and you're, you're, you're really giving it 150% effort that you do have an education to look back on. So Terry, I mean, I know Europe is different yeah. and I know the pathway is different. So do you think for your colleges, an important thing for uh, the junior player. So I completely, I think I, I, I completely agree with you uh, because I, I, I did kind of the same, right? I, I did my education. I went to university. Um, that was when I was fourteen. I started to work with those two coaches. Uh, I was still on, in reunion, but I met those two guys from France, and I had an opportunity. And the our, our goal was succeeding in, in squash and at school. So that was our main goal, you know, and to find that right balance. And it was all about quality, not necessarily like hours and hours on court and doing stuff, but all about, you know, precision in, in, in you know, in scheduling sessions, training. So then high school, and then that's why I continued. And then I, I Finished my master's, my master's in uh, in human movement and uh, sports science. So, and by the way, who, which helped me now at MIT, because I can now get promoted to uh, well, it's a professor or what, what? I mean, it, this is a different story. But what I'm saying is that 
you're right. When I, during, you know, those times when I was doing both, you know, you know, things, I was, the pressure was not full on. You, you're absolutely right. Because I knew I had something, you know, I was something else. I was a safe, I had a safety net somewhere, you know? So I think that's a good way to approach things. And we have examples. Uh, I was thinking about like different people who went that path. So Amanda, Sabrina, of course, Ali Farag, um, a, a lot of them. And Victor is now, uh, we know Victor Quan at Harvard, which I, well, I coach as well and train with him a little bit. So he's, he does extremely well and he can play PSA. He can have that experience. He has breaks, so he can still be engaged on the tour and be a good student. You know, um, so you're not wasting your time. I don't think so. It is, you need to be organized, very disciplined and structured if you want to be good in both. But it, it is possible. So, Gilly, when, you know, a prospective um, student comes looking at University of Pennsylvania, I mean, I think the way, I mean, in terms of what I'm thinking, and it sounds like it's probably a consensus that four years is, is a great place to mature you know, get, you know, your squash under control and improve. And especially where you guys are, I mean, you got all the competition in the world for these guys to train with and the facilities. And um, so I think, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a very nice pathway. And um, so when, when athletes call you, Gilly, are you able to say, you know, that you, you feel in your heart of hearts that this is a great, this is probably the best pathway for you? Or do you look at a player that you think could jump right onto the tour and be a top 10 player differently? I think first and foremost, it's up to everyone's own decision, right? So I think you can't force a top athlete to be academic and, and vice versa, right? And so when we have student athletes contact us about studying at, you know, at a university and, and then playing squash with the potential to go down that path, they understand the balance that's needed to achieve both. Right. And so, um, I think about, I think about a decade ago or even probably 20 years ago now, and I'm dating myself. Right. But you know, the, the notion of if you go to university in the States, like there's no chance you're going to be a pro player. Like people laughed at me when I, when I turned pro, um, you know, Thierry mentioned four four players. There, there are other players besides Harvard guys uh, and girls. Uh, Thierry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. no. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm I live in Boston. Um, I was uh, I was no, involved no, with I'm them, just, you know. So, so. Uh, but um, but um, but I think it's up to the individual. You know, you know, Mustafa saw like you know, it, it, for him to go straight to the to the tour is is the right move. You know, for for Benghi, for Benghi to to you know, to, to be world junior champion and then be in top, inside the top, top 20 in 18 months, I would have done the same thing. Um, and you know, when you have the backing of, of your country and the government and you have funding, there's no reason not to, because what he did from 18 to 22 was what I was probably needed to do or what we need to do after college from 22 to 24. I think our TT and our as job as, as coaches and, and, and of coaches of players that that want to turn pro is to help them with that balance, but then put them in a good situation so that they can be, they can hit the ground running um, the first day that they are full on pro. And, and that's, that's right after the individual championships of their senior year. So what we say is, yeah, of course this can be a total, a, totally a stepping stone. Um, 
And we will do everything in our power to make sure that just like, um, you know, I see it, them playing in the summer is like getting internship, right? So their summers are their internship before taking the big time job. But the internship we're actually helping with because we're helping them with the plan. Um, and I think it's become the CSI has done a really good job, especially with the rules, not letting kids just go play whatever they need. There's structure around it. So it gives us coaches a better understanding of, okay, this is how we're going to structure your tournament schedule around our match schedule. One, so that you can do your academics and also so that you can have great balance. Right. But this, but as a coach, as a coach and, and Thierry knows this well, it's like our job is to provide um, that experience. So that first day that that student athlete gets out of our university, they are ready to take on whatever it is. If it's to turn to turn pro and squash, guess what? We have the playbook for it because we did it, but it's not a path for everyone. And I think to each their own, you know, you have to be respectful of, okay, what's best. You never want to put a student in a position where you're putting them into a situation where they can't handle so if you force somebody into an academic setting where they necessarily don't want to be and then they have to train and they want to be pro, maybe that's not the right balance. And so then you're actually setting them up to fail, not on one level, but on two. Their squash isn't going to get better because they're stressed about their academics. And academically, they're not going to do well, which is, again, it's, it, as, as Miles knows, Miles will come into the MacArthur Center if he's had a great test and he's going to play great that day because he's feeling good about himself. And he's going to want to train. But if it's the other way around, he's going to like, oh, I'm going to train, try to get my mind off of it. But maybe I'm not all there because I'm focused about something else. So do we have the setup to do it? 100%. And I'm talking about all universities because uh, the coaches that are in place, I think, are fantastic. And that's and, you know, I think the CSA has done a really good job of professionalizing, yeah. professionalizing that part of it in that uh, their structure um, and everything like that. And, and I think. I think that it's a credit goes to the student athletes too, for being able to balance that. And, um, yeah. you know, and that's an incredible task that, um, especially with all of the distractions in this world and COVID and everything, you know, I mean, freaking cell phones, right? Like I wouldn't have, I, you know, it, it, there's so many distractions for those, uh, for those men and women to be able to handle that and then go straight in, uh, and be successful kudos to them. And we should be celebrating them. But for those that yeah. want to go straight to pro, we should support them and celebrate them too. The, you know, people like Olivia Klein and Chris Gordon, you know, there's nothing wrong with the path they chose and they've been successful and done great, you know, with that. And, I, and, and, and kudos to them for taking a different path in this country that has always taken the other path. Um, totally. and, and that's awesome, you know, and I love that. And I have, I have so much respect for that, that choice. Yeah, I agree. You know, one, one other thing that, um, I've found just to add on to what Thierry and, and Gilly were saying is like now being in college, right? Like I've definitely felt that difference of, okay, wow, you're much more on your own, right? So for the players who played in boarding school or something where they could say like, oh, well, I've had to manage school or, you know, day school or their high school had squash. Oh, I've had to manage school and squash. Well, it's a lot different when you have your mom and your dad to drive you to practice or you have a hot meal on the table when you get back or, you know, whatever it is, like it's the little things that actually are taken care of when you're at home or you're at a school, um, you know, you're playing squash uh, on, on a uh, team at school while living at home. When you're on your own in college, it's hard. And you do have all that academics to do. You do have the squash to maintain um, and you have to train hard with the team. But one of the things that I do think is 
so wonderful about college squash that can influence a player to really take it to the next level is the fact that a lot of squash players come from a small knit community uh, where they grew up playing and then college opens them up to the whole squash world. You know, they're playing against players. I'm playing against players on my team from, from Cairo, from Alexandria. There's a girl on the team from, from Ecuador, you know, like there's people all over the world coming to play squash yeah, in the U S think- and it's really, it's really helping um, juniors strive to go pro and, and just play a more competitive um, college scene. You know, I, I don't know how y'all feel about that, but. I mean, Bang, I would actually see, you know, like if Bengi, Bengi's now seen it for the first time, I would actually, because now, I mean, you've seen it, you've seen it in some college matches. What's your, yeah. what's your well, reaction I, to that? I, what do you I think, think? The, the college players, uh, you know, the last few years, they are very lucky to, you know, to have the opportunity to work with, you know, all these top guys, you know, Thierry Lin, Kugili, yourself, you have, uh, I think, uh, Mike Way, David Palmer, there's uh, so much, um, experience you know these are top coaches in the world who've been there done it all they are world champions world number one uh you know guys i might weigh he has coached jonathan power uh so i i, I think the pathway to be a professional after their graduate after their graduation or after they graduated it's it's already there you know they have the foundation they know what it what it takes to be the, the, a top pro so, you know, for me, I think as a college player, these guys are actually very lucky. And again, I think it's for U.S. squash and myself and together with um, the rest of the coaches is to try to get them to buy into uh, giving themselves a chance on tour, you know, to, to play for Team USA. I, I think it's, it's a big honor, you know, for, for me to play for Malaysia those days. I played for the country. Um, more than 20 years you know i've represented my my country in 10 world team championship and for me it will always be a big achievement i don't think there are many malaysians who have played 10 world team championship uh so yeah it's yeah i i i feel you know u.s squash players the foundation has been laid out for them from college level even from even be- before that you know they i've 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 been to some of the JCTs um, and I, I've actually witnessed every single player has a coach. So there's so much coaching going on. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's so competitive out there. And then when they get to college, they, there's a chance to work with Thierry. There's a chance to work with Gilly. Uh, you know, all these great coaches who are already teaching them how to be a professional, how to be a better player day in right. day out so for them to venture out into into psa to re- represent united states I, I it's for them to just make their choice it's not like they don't know how to do it they already know how to do it because they they are guided by all these wonderful coaches you know since they are 11 years old all the way to college days um and yeah i, I think it's once they've, they've graduated they know they have secured their future why not you know if it's something that they would like to do um you know i I think u.s squash would love to to carry on the pathway and 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 sometimes i feel it's a waste if they don't carry on playing you know if they have the talent they have the desire they are all self-driven why not right i think we're here to help and if they can make some money out of it eventually we we hope they, they do 
um, why not? You know, um, I, I've not regretted playing PSA. Of course, uh, Thierry and Gilly, you guys know uh, it's not easy. Uh, we go through some depression sometimes after losing many first rounds. But the experience and the, the, the journey, it's, it's worthwhile, you know. I mean, coming from Malaysia to, to lead Team USA, I mean, for me, this is an achievement itself. So, and I've also seen a lot of college players, they end up coaching. So, <laughs> you know, so they've created another pathway for themselves. They, they've graduated in, I don't know, let's say a business course and they end up coaching. So why not try on PSA for a few years and see how far that would take you? And along the way, you can always coach. Yeah. You know, you can always be a coach. But to be a player, it's now or never. So I I hope that there will be more American players that will want to represent America because never know. Maybe one day, if we're lucky enough, we'll be in the Olympics, and this will be the the new generation that will be able to represent Team USA in the Olympics and win a medal. That would, that would be yeah. pretty crazy. So you have some inside <laughs> info on that, you know, 2028? Yeah, I there's an article saying that uh, three major sports have, will be removed and they are planning to add in three new sports. So I'm, well, keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, that, uh, squash would be one of them. You know, we've, we've, we've been trying. We are still trying. And yeah, I, I, I would love, uh, you know, the... Team USA to be leading the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the journey to Olympic Games. Bruce, if memory serves me right, that was the one of the questions on the first first episode. With, in the Olympics, or, or, right, or, exactly. or the second, the, I, I the, don't think, yeah, I think it was episode. very pessimistic. <laughs> Everyone was so, very pessimistic. Yeah, you, but uh, you know, guys, yeah, I, I this was, is some, sorry. Just talking about the Olympics, I was uh, on. You know, uh, one year, I think it was two thousand and maybe nine or something. I was uh, part of the a little group, the committee to defend. You know, um, the squash. You know, candidate to the to the board. In I was in. Um, well, that was in Switzerland, yes, correct or not? Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, so. that was yeah, Lausanne or somewhere. But Nicole, so Nicole David was there, of course. You know, part of the part of the team, and then we oh, that was so um, it was so stressful, like talking with all all the guys, the Olympic, you know, uh, committee members, oh, for inclusion of squash, and then we didn't make it. But wow, so I think that was for for I think that was this one was for London. But anyway, we we need to keep trying. We need to keep trying eventually. Uh, yeah, eventually. <laughs> but we need it. You know, I think, um, as you can see in the, uh, the just the U.S. organization with all the PSA events, uh, how the, the sport has grown so much. You, you know, now, oh. now you're seeing like Egypt as well. They, they've been churning out all these uh, players and at the same time having so many events. Uh, but... Again, even without Olympics, squash itself, we, we have a, a great tour with PSA, uh, you know, uh, Alex Goff, the CEO, and Lee Bichu running it now. Uh, it, it's, it's changing, you know. I, I think the price money, if I'm not mistaken, has gone up a lot more than our days. Um, you know, guys are not receiving $200 paycheck anymore. I think they are, they are receiving more than, than that. So definitely... <laughs> Squash is, is growing, you know, so, uh, but uh, I'm very optimistic that squash will get in one day. I think we, we just need to be given one chance and this one chance will change 
the, the funding, especially from government. You know, I think in Asia, uh, a lot of funding I comes agree. from being part of the Olympics. And uh, if you have a chance with Olympics, uh, squash being Olympics, uh, can you imagine, you know, big country like China, Japan, Malaysia, and the, the rest of the, yeah, the rest of the countries with all this government funding, and even with France, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it will explode. Yeah. Oh yeah, to, and to be honest with you, I I I went to the Panam. Well, and, and Giddy, you you can tell you know you can talk about this, but the Panam Games. Oh my gosh, that 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 atmosphere, you know, yeah, getting that? to into that stadium and then the whole thing, Team USA with oh, it was magic, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's a pretty. I mean, in Toronto, we walked into the Blue Jay Stadium, you know, with twenty to thirty thousand people in there screaming. Yeah, oh. It was insane. Um, definitely a highlight and it's, you know, if, if it gets in, like Bengi said, the support, you know, again, I think it, the, another, a new generation of players here in the States will, oh my gosh, I can go win an Olympic gold medal. But it, like you said, the, the tour, the, there's more money being pumped into the tour. And I think once COVID settles down, it, it's going to build back up again. And, you know, thankful to the countries that have, have been able to support the pro players and by putting on tournaments and, and things like that. And, I think where we need to be also thankful to U.S. squash is that, you know, through COVID, they're still able to kind of keep this thing, you know, keep keep squash going, you know, and, and um, you know, to have a big event like the U.S. Junior Open this coming weekend at the Spectre Center and, um, you know, and just to, com- to provide um, provide these opportunities for, for the kids and the next generation and the generation after that. And, um you know, if, if, if my little guy ends up playing squash, uh, <laughs> you know, then the generation after that. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, just to Bengi's point, there's a lot of good things happening. So I just hope that uh, everyone keeps jumping on board and, and shares the positive vibes. Miles, you have anything else to, uh, bring forth? No, I mean, um, I, I've listened to you guys, um, for a couple of years now, but I'm just so happy to have everyone here together and been able to really hear your deeper input on, on stuff. So I appreciate it all. What about you, Bruce? I just think we're in a really great position. I could not be more thankful to have these three gentlemen with us, you know, this evening. I mean, uh, just really, I think us squash on a college pro we're in very, very good hands. And, uh, I think, you know, they have the vision, which is, you know, a big part of this. And I'm sure that's why, you know, they hired you. They wanted, you know, U.S. Squash wanted a vision that they felt that you had in your mind and your approach. And uh, I think you're going to be able to implement it because I think you have, you know, the athletes now that uh, really want to, you know, take it to the next step. So uh, this is just a tremendous time for U.S. Squash coming out of this pandemic and uh we're ready to just you know take it to uh take it to the moon and uh so it's really been just a really really great episode you guys really shared so much insight and you know i think u.s squash as well as the the players in this country are in really good hands so uh, i just want to thank you really again this is a very special episode because this is the 10th one and uh, as we wrap up uh, this year. And uh, so just want to thank you guys again. And uh, Miles, you want us to... Uh... Yeah, no, I just... I Yeah, we 
we're we're just really happy to have you guys here today. When Bruce told me that this is the tenth, it seemed a little bit um a little unimaginable because it's like yesterday that he called me and he's like, Hey, I've got this idea for a podcast. So uh you wanna go? And I'm like, sure, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what we were gonna do. Um, and it's become, you know, an incredible experience. So thank you, Bruce, um, for everything that you've done. And and then thank you guys for coming on. You know, I've known Thierry for years now. I've, I've been really lucky to get to know him, to be trained by him. And I, I'm so grateful that you came on this call. Gilly, I've known you for just about the same amount of time. I'm a little infrequent when, when we see each other. It was, uh, it started at the uh, U.S. Academy junior academies. And I was like, who's this guy rocking the flat cap, you know, like the flat rim <laughs> you know, on the squash court. Like, and, 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 you know, I was, I was coached by so many international coaches and then I, you know, he's got like the Philly accent and I'm like, geez, this is my man right here. Let's go. So, we, you know, we, we got pretty close at those, those, um, those, those academies and, and thank you for your guidance. You know, he, Gilly's helped me over the years with, with many things, life decisions and, and others. And thank you, Gilly. You've been a wonderful mentor to me, even if I haven't shown it to you. And Bang He, unfortunately, I don't know you too well. Um, but, you know, I have the utmost respect for you. What you've done for the game is incredible. The accomplishments you've made are, you know, just up there with the best of the game. And uh, I'm so happy that you came on the call. Thank you for making it easy, guys. I love talking to you today, and and we're looking forward to hearing it. Miles, uh, what a joy to uh, to just see you transform, you know, from the little guy that we used to call you, you know, at you know eleven years old, twelve years old when we started uh, the, the journey, and and uh, when we started that relationship, and what 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 a joy to see you now as a big guy, you know, a big guy, and you're so mature and just a great guy, yeah. So well done. Yeah, I don't think there's a better person that I could, you know, co-host this program with because Miles is light years ahead in terms of his maturity. He's got so much, he's got a great soul and uh, it's just such a pleasure to work with him. And, uh, you know, I learned from him as much as hopefully he learns a little bit from me, but uh, he's a trailblazer and he's going to do great things. So it's, 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 wow. it's great to have him as a partner. And I just want to also thank James, our uh, editor, producer, engine, sound engineer. He has been indispensable in getting this to where we are. And we so look forward to, you know, ending this year and then looking forward to a, a big year in, in, in 2022. And uh, I think we're going to really hit our stride. And we're really, yeah. really excited. Anyone who knows Bruce and I knows that we're not the easiest ones to deal with. So James, not only are you a fantastic audio producer, you can, <laughs> you've got patience and we really respect it. Um, and, and we're thankful of it. So, you know, that we couldn't have done this without you. So thank you. Guys, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, being on here. Um, I, I definitely look forward to when I'm the, uh, the answer to a trivia question in season two, on, uh, who was a repeat <laughs> guest uh, on the first season. No, but to, to be on on with uh, with Bang He and Titi and um, and just two guys that that have done so much in the game, but also um, are cementing their place, you know, as stalwarts of of U.S. squash. Uh, you know, there's a there's a great future ahead for the men and women of this country uh, to be led by um, such humble but also hardworking individuals, and and mm. to be alongside them. Um, you know, to even be, you know, in this, in this conversation is, is pretty amazing given that I looked up to them so much when I was younger. So, 
um, thanks to thanks to you guys, thanks to Bruce and, and to Miles, uh, just for having me. And um, you know, maybe beyond in season two, we'll see. And uh, and Miles, go get to know Benji more. Go to the National Center, okay? So yeah. get to know him a little bit more. There you go. Okay, buddy. There we go. All right, thanks, guys. So yeah, uh, thank you so much, Miles, uh, Bruce. You know, and also James in background. Thank you so much. I don't think I've done a podcast ever. This is probably my first one. So. Yeah, what a great experience, you know, coming to this country and then now getting to to be to be your is it the last episode before you move on to season two? So thank you for having me. Yeah, do drop by Spectre Center. You know, we we definitely hope to encourage more players to represent the country, and we're just here to facilitate. And we hope that uh, you know, with the support of you guys, spreading the word, uh, it's definitely going to help uh, U.S. squash. So. I look forward to exciting development and uh, yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Well, um, I think Miles and I are just so thrilled. I mean, as we started this in back in May, you know, to go live, you know, and, and do an episode and we had this vision in, you know, January, February, and uh, I'm proud of our team and uh, I know we're going to do it as good or better in 2022. And uh, we really, there's so many things to disseminate in terms of squash and what's happening. And this has been such a nice way to bring on like the top, top, top in, in, in the sport and uh, let it, you know, our audience, you know, hear them and stuff that, you know, you would never know about any of these guys. And uh, it's just really, this has been fun. And we really look forward to 2022. So I want to wish everyone a happy and healthy holiday season. The best, you know, New Year's and uh, only good things for you and your families in, in 2022. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you for guys. For being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. We're good. All right. We'll talk soon. We'll talk live, soon. Live edition, by the way, Miles, at men's teams in Philly. Live edition. Yes. Yes. Oh, cool. That's for Let's sure. Do it. <laughs> That's it. And then we'll come, we'll, we'll come visit I, you. I have, a, I have a place for you. That's all good. Right, We're ready. We are going to be good. All right. Yeah. Miles, I love you all the time, except for when you beat my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. I again. remember you saying that, too. All right, boys. We're good. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye, guys. for listening to the two dot chronicles hosted by bruce huberman and miles mcintyre as themselves the show is produced and engineered by me james spavelko theme song and incidental music created by spavelko music services have a question suggestion or just want to say hello drop us a message at 908-977-6481 or send us an email at two dot media at gmail.com that's T-W-O-D-O-T-M-E-D-I-A. It may be featured in a future episode. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the Two Dot Chronicles. We upload a new episode every month. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts.